I'm John Chambers, and I want to welcome everyone to Chambers Talks. Uh, it's a opportunity to learn from great leaders about lessons learned and the disruption that technology will bring, mainly in a positive way, to our world and to our country. Today, I'm talking with a great friend, somebody that I admire, somebody that the first day she was uh, appointed to uh, be CEO of AMD, I gave her a call and say, I believe in you. How can I help in any way? It's been a friendship and a chance to occasionally mentor, but also to learn from Lisa in so many different ways about the industry. Uh, she is an amazing CEO. Uh, she's done an amazing job in a very, very tough industry. Uh, in the last 10 years since you've taken the role, Lisa, your stock is up sixfold and your toughest competitor uh, stock is flat during the same time period. Uh, she's wicked smart for those of you listening uh, on it, and she has a undergraduate, a master's, and a doctorate degree from MIT in engineer, electrical engineering. Uh, I believe she's destined to change an industry and somebody that builds an unbelievably strong culture, gets people to be part of that culture, understands innovation isn't just about doing it yourself, but it's also about acquiring and strategically partnering, and people just trust her. She's been on the list of many of the most uh, strongest leaders in the world, uh, most powerful uh, women, uh, as an example, on Fortune and Forbes. But she's somebody that I, again, repeating the same theme, think is going to be a leader for the future. So today, we have a chance to really get to know you, Lisa. Uh, and it's an opportunity for us to teach the listeners lessons learned over the years and just look forward to a dialogue. But first, thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much, John. It's wonderful to be here. I so appreciate our friendship and um, looking forward to the chat. All right, we'll try not to let you down on the viewer audience. Uh, first question, it's an easy one. After the economy the last three years, nobody's been able to predict it. And uh, what are your thoughts about 2023? How do you approach this as a leader when no one really knows, and the last couple of years have taught us how difficult it is to predict what's going to happen, much less set your strategy to be agile enough to adjust? Uh, your thoughts and lessons learned for people of this podcast listening on on how you would suggest they think about it. Yeah, absolutely, John. Um, as you said, it's one of those things that nobody can predict. All we can say is, um, as the year, you know, over the next twelve months, a lot of things will happen. And you know, the way I think about this is, um, you know, again, I think we are always, um, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, the market is very dynamic. You know, overall. Um, you know, we're in the computing market and you know, people are going to need more compute. So that's the the nice secular trend. But it's hard to predict what's going to happen on a you know quarterly basis and especially with all of the things that are going on in the world. And so, you know, it really is um, you know, in the short term, um, it's about being very agile. So, you know, listening to market signals, spending time with our customers, understanding um, how they're thinking about things. You know, I believe very deeply in um, you know, partnerships and and really understanding sort of um, you know what drives our um, our customer success, and then over the the long term, it's about investing in the right you know technology. Because um, one thing we know for sure in in the technology world, uh, our investments today really only pay off you know three, four, five years from now, and so we can't you know change that too much, you know, depending on what's happening on a uh, on you know this month or next month. But those are the type, some of the things I would say is it's all about. Um, understanding what's happening in the market, but also understanding, you know, what our long-term obje objectives are. You know, it, it, you keep the vision of where you want to take AMD always in your foresight and your ability to share with your employees and your customers your plans for it. It just gives a calmness to the group. 
I uh, listened to your sessions in CES uh, uh, here recently, and there are two areas I'd like to delve into, one around the next big technology, which is AI, and a little bit about the cloud moving to the edge, uh, and then second, tech for good. Uh, let's do the engineering question first and the bet, uh, how big is AI going to be? Your views about artificial intelligence for the future, will it be the next cloud, the next internet, and how do you uh, position your company as well as suggest to people that are listening, they think about AI for their company? Yeah, John, absolutely. I think AI is um, the biggest, you know, technology megatrend in front of us. Uh, we are, you know, it, it's been here for some time, but I think we're actually reaching an inflection point uh, right now in terms of AI. AI is touching every part of our lives. If you think about it from, you know, sort of our very simple interactions with, you know, things like your your smartphone or, you know, your home devices to much, much more complex interactions in terms of what you do in your businesses. And, you know, the most recent craze here is around generative AI. So, uh, you know, chat GPT, I think everyone's, um, you know, just understanding just how powerful AI can be. Uh, you know, you can, you know, type in anything and it'll, it'll really, uh, come with uh, something that is uh, really much more insightful than you would have ever imagined. So the way I look at AI is AI is going to be in um, everywhere um, in our life. It's going to be at the cloud in sort of the largest um, uh, computing installations where you're going to do large training models as well as um, you know inferencing to the edge um, to the client. You know we just recently launched at um, CES. Our, um, our newest PC processors that for the first time are integrating AI acceleration um, on chip because we know it's going to be so important uh, going forward. So I'm very excited about AI. I'm excited about um, what's possible um, and also what it means from a technology standpoint, because it's actually going to drive a lot more innovation um, in technology as well in terms of you know, hardware, software, solutions, um, and, and how we work with our, um, our customers and partners. You know, often when there's a new technology, and I'm going to take a step back, uh, looking back a couple of generations uh, in terms of technology evolution, we think the new technology is going to eliminate, uh, eliminate many more jobs than it creates. And I remember the discussion at Cisco in the early 90s uh, with isn't the Internet going to destroy so many business models and so many jobs that it will not be good for the future of the country or for the globe. And clearly people realized that wasn't true. Uh, it basically created many more jobs in different categories. Uh, and growth. We saw a similar discussion with the cloud. Uh, AI is complex in the sense that many people are just getting their arms around what does it really mean? How do you answer the question about is this going to be a job uh, destroyer or why is AI so important, not just for the technology industry, but for society as a whole? Well, John, the way I think of AI is it's actually trying to make each of us much more productive. Um, you know, as individuals, um, as businesses, as large enterprises in research. And so if we think about it that way, you know, AI is here to help. Um, it's not here to necessarily replace. Um, it's here to make us much more efficient in, um, in how we do things. And I really believe that with that in mind, if we use it um, in the right way, I think it, it will actually make us a lot more productive and, and we're, we'll be able to accomplish more uh, than we ever imagined. And, and just to give you an example of, of where I think um, there are um, opportunities, right? If you think about just, you know, in research areas and, and just 
um, you know, how much um, can be accomplished if you can use AI to kind of downselect, um, you know, the number of cases that you have to look at. You know, that's that's one example. Um, I think as we think about in businesses and we think about, hey, where do we want um, to focus our time? We have so much data that's generated in so many places. Um, using AI to kind of downselect such that, you know, we can use our, um, you know, important um, you know, engineering or business resources on um, the things that that really uh, you know require you know that uh, that intuition. I think will will help make all of us you know much much more productive. You know, it's an easy transition from that, Lisa, into the next question. That's around tech for good. But the bigger picture on that is, if technology is going to play such a key role in society, and understanding government, understanding the strengths and the limitation of technology, and how does the industry work with governments around the world in a successful way. How do we evolve from an issue where many people felt the job of leaders were just to get the economic return for their shareholders? And as we've learned the hard way, if we in technology don't also understand how can we benefit society and how do we work with government in an effective way uh, uh, for common values, uh, we're going to be regulated pretty hard. Uh, you're one of the most respected leaders in Washington by both Democrats and Republicans, which is a, a real job for people uh, in today's world. But that's because they trust you. How do you position? Why is it in your companies and your shareholders' best interest to do not, not just an economic return, but for tech for good as well? And how do you take it beyond just words, maybe with some examples on how you approach that? Yeah, absolutely, John. I think I'm a big believer in, um, you know, technology can um, really help us in so many ways. And, you know, you, you know, we can talk about, you know, sort of how, um, you know, technology companies should work with government. And we should also talk about how technology can help in, um, you know, overall societal issues. But, you know, one of the things I think we should be very proud of is, you know, the COVID pandemic was actually um, extremely challenging for all of us, um, you know, across the world. But it was also an opportunity uh, for us to bring um, true partnership between the public and private sector. So one example is um, the work that uh, we've been doing in high performance, um, you know, computing. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things that uh, people really needed was more computing horsepower uh, to try to, as quickly as possible, figure out the right therapeutics, as well as, you know, um, how do we uh, create a vaccine that could uh, work against COVID? And um, from um, our standpoint on the um, on the technology side, you know, uh, AMD together with um, some of our peers and customers actually created, um, you know, sort of a vast amount of supercomputing resources so that academic institutions, government institutions and labs would have access to um, significant um, horsepower uh, to really address that. And that, that's just a great example of how, you know, public-private partnerships um, can come together. Uh, you know, we also uh, have been uh, very involved with um, Oak Ridge National Labs, uh, which is um, uh, developing, you know, which has actually the world's fastest supercomputer, um, which is also very focused on new science, um, you know, uh, really discovering things about climate change um, in healthcare, in uh, all kinds of you know areas, transportation, um, as you really think about um, how do you solve those next big challenges. So lots of opportunity uh, for um, public-private partnership. Uh, we've also spent you know quite a bit of time on thinking about 
how technology can actually uh, really advance, um, you know, critical areas um, like healthcare, for example, which is, you know, something, you know, I'm very passionate about. So um, lots of opportunity, I think, for, um, you know, technology to be used uh, for good and for us to uh, really engage, uh, you know, sort of the broader, um, you know, sort of, you know, public-private partnerships to, uh, to make that happen. You know, I'm going to move the next section, uh, Lisa, into innovation. Uh, and everybody talks about innovation. How do you reinvent yourself? How do you reinvent a company? Uh, how does the company have uh, an approach of you disrupt or you're going to get disrupted? You all have done that amazing uh, at AMD over the last decade. It's deep in your culture, and you are one AMD when you do things, and it's more than just a statement. It is the fabric of what you do. But you've also mastered something that I believe in strongly, which is innovations about doing it yourself. It's about acquiring and it's about strategically partnering, build by partner. A lot of people talk about that. It was one of the things that I felt we did best at Cisco with 180 acquisitions and movement into new areas uh, uh, with uh, outside resources and then blending them into the strength of our own company. Uh, but yet very few leaders have done that. And you've done it. Uh, and I've had a chance to witness that personally with Ben Sando. Uh, share with me, how do you create that where you keep the innovation engine internally and the internal team is re-motivated? You add acquisitions, both big and smaller, that really help uh, drive that innovation faster. And then you strategically partner. And, and while it might be the least risk, it might be the hardest to do. How do you create the culture to do that and lessons learned for the audience? Yeah, thanks, John. So, um, you know, first and foremost, uh, it you know, when um, I became CEO of AMD, I think the most important thing was for us to get our internal innovation engine working. And um, so we spent, uh, you know, quite a bit of time on, uh, you know, sort of thinking about which markets we wanted to go after, you know, data centers, a huge market for us. So that was a very strategic uh, foundation. And then which technologies we were going to invest in. And it required us to rethink our manufacturing strategy, our technology strategy, our hardware and software strategy. And so we did that. Um, and, you know, with that, you know, sort of organic innovation engine working, uh, we did see there were some places where we could make one plus one, you know, be much greater than three. And um, you know, we did complete uh, very recently, um, you know, two acquisitions. Um, you know, Xilinx was one acquisition, uh, you know, fairly large, very strategic, um, the largest uh, acquisition in semiconductor history. Uh, but it really brought um, a new set of um, technology and IP and markets, you know, to uh, to the AMD um, umbrella. And then with Pensando, uh, we um, acquired a, what I would say is uh, just a tremendous team that would um, bring yet um, more disruptive innovation to our core market segments in um, in data center. So I think it's a mix of both. You you must have your organic innovation engine working. Um, you know that's kind of the 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 table stakes if you're going to be in the tech business. Um, but really having the opportunity to you know to add um, you know very uh, very strong teams, very strong IP just helps us um, you know continue that innovation and growth story. Uh, let me switch it over now to leadership and lessons learned. Uh, when you think about uh, best lessons learned uh, as a leader, uh, what was the best advice you ever got and what was the worst in terms of leadership? <laughs> well, I would say I've gotten a lot of advice over the years, uh, as I'm uh, as I'm sure you have, John, too. Um, I would say, you know, a couple of pieces of advice that um, that really you know helped me. One was 
you know, as a leader, uh, you know, people always ask you, you know, what do you want to be or what do you want to do when you grow up? And uh, that's actually sometimes not an easy question to answer. Uh, but the advice that I was given is, you know, think about, you know, careers in like, you know, sort of five-year um, you know, pieces. And so you can probably see five years and, you know, what do you want to be doing in five years? And, and that helps chart a path for uh, where to go. And, um, you know, another piece of advice that, uh, that I found very, very helpful is um, the, uh, the idea of running towards problems. And, you know, when I was first, um, uh, one, a mentor told me that I said, I, I don't even really know what that means. What does that mean running towards problems? Well, you know, the truth is like, we have to spend a tremendous amount of time in whatever we're doing, right? We're all um, extremely motivated and dedicated to what we're doing. But um, if you're going to spend all that time, spend it on something that's actually really hard. And it's a problem that somebody needs solving. If you volunteer for those problems and you do a good job, um, people will remember that uh, because, you know, it's always easy to do the the, the straightforward um, thing. But um, sometimes taking those hard challenges will uh, create uh, tremendous opportunities. So those are some of the, the key lessons um, that uh, that I followed. When you think about leadership, it is so important to have inclusion. And yet in our society, we do not do as good a job as we need to in tech in particular. Uh, at Cisco, we had three women on our board of directors before anybody was even talking about why do you need one? And the answer was that was the best talent in the industry. And you want to see the opportunity for all of us to really have a chance to get ahead. What do we need to do better in the tech industry uh, for diversity? Uh, and uh, even though you never talk about it, you, you know, I've never really probed on it. You had to have seen the hurdles that many of our top women have to get over that candidly their male counterparts do not. Uh, a little bit of thoughts on how do we correct this further? We made great progress for a while, and now we're kind of leveling out in terms of our mix of diversity and, and gender on our boards and on our, our top leaders. Uh, a little bit lessons learned, and you can be general or as direct as you want to be about what you need to do better. Setting you up, I was just uh, communicating with Cheryl Sandberg yesterday, uh, and uh, at Cisco, we were the first company to invite her to come and talk about lean in to all 5,000 of our directors. And I said, this isn't about the women. This is about us guys having to change. Uh the importance of tech for good and, and giving back, whether it's in diversity or Second Harvest Food Bank, which was our topic with Cheryl yesterday, is so key. Kind of share some of your lessons learned and maybe a little bit of advice for the listeners, especially as Mel's listeners that need to do better here. Well, um, John, you've been such a leader in um, you know diversity and inclusion. So uh, I, I really um, appreciate uh, the question. I, I think there are a few things. First of all, I would say on a um, on a personal basis, you know, I think it it is all about um, a growth journey, and you know, certainly um, when you think about you know the number of women in tech or the number of women in um, in semiconductors or in engineering, they're not enough, and uh, they're definitely not enough. And you know, we want to um, to ensure that you know we we help. Uh, very, very high potential women reach their full potential. That's 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 how I think about it. And one of the things that you know I've always believed is um, it really is about creating opportunities and then you know inspiring people to um, take the leap um, to uh, to uh, aspire for some of those opportunities. So some of the things that um, that we do at AMD that I'm I'm very proud of. You know we uh, you know and this is about. Um, 
talent across the entire spectrum. So it's how do we bring in more, um, you know, from uh, uh, new college grads um, into uh, into engineering and into semiconductors, and then how do we help them get to the next levels uh, in terms of creating opportunities, create with um, uh, both uh, leadership training as well as um, you know mentorship um, on the technical side, and then it's also. Um, about having you know key role models that are um, that you know you can see and uh, you know for us our focus is on a particularly um, you know engineering talent and you know we like to see many more women in the fellows ranks that are you know key leading large engineering pro- projects and that's actually where you don't see so many of them so we've we've actually created programs where we have people talking about how do you become a uh, a woman fellow at uh, at AMD, and I'm making it specific about us, uh, our company, because it's just an example. Now, when you do it at a more uh, you know sort of industry level, uh, there are very very good you know women in um, engineering programs that um, are out there. I think more support of them. And you know, back to your comment on you know what can men do. I think what men can do is just identify those high potential women and give them the opportunity and encouragement, you know, to seek the next level. Because I think um, what we find is, um, you know, that is sort of the the big thing that uh, will enable us to have, you know, more diversity and, and as you say, more inclusion and having the best talent at the table. You know, that leads into the next question Uh, in my mind, it's about culture and very often uh, both new CEOs and startups all the way to established companies, they almost take culture for granted and they don't realize that the CEO, she or he has to own the culture. And culture, as Warren Buffett said, may be as important or more important than strategy and vision. You've got a culture that the people I talk to from AMD love being a part of. And uh, it's one that people clearly understand what is the culture and the roles how would you first explain what AMD's culture is to people listening so they have context? And then how do you constantly nurture it to achieve the benefits, which allow you to navigate through fast growth, but also through also through tough times like we face now? Culture helps get you through that and to break away from your peers during those times. Your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, John, I think culture is extremely important. And um, it is something that uh, I didn't realize um, when I first became CEO, how important it was. Uh, We, uh, you know, I I actually think culture is something that's felt, not necessarily something that's that's written. Um, But we are very much focused on as we grow as a company, um, ensuring that, you know, culture stays, you know, first and, you know, sort of very front um, front focus. So, you know, in terms of describing our culture, um, I think we are an ambitious culture. Uh, We're really focused on, you know, using technology to solve um, some of the world's toughest challenges. Um, But we, you know, do it a certain way. And, you know, uh, we're, you know, I value very much, um, you know, sort of, um, execution excellence, um, you know, humility in how we uh, deal with um, each other and our partners, you know, huge focus on teamwork um, and collaboration, as well as, uh, you know, diversity inclusion. And if you put those things together, what you find is, um, you know, a team that is that is highly ambitious, but also, you know, very clear that, you know, we are here first and foremost as one AMD 
Um, and, uh, you know, with that focus in mind and with our um, you know, partnership with our customers are um, actually, you know, when we think about um, how we want to come across, it's really about, um, you know, we have our, uh, we just did a whole new um, AMD brand around um, Together We Advance uh, with the notion that, you know, that that's what makes um, our culture differentiated. We absolutely love what we do in technology, but the technology is really um, enabling um, our partners and our customers to um, advance um, you know, their fields of interest. The last question I'd like to end with is uh, if you were to share with the audience a lesson learned that you wish you'd learned much earlier in your career in terms of would have helped you be a more, even more successful leader, uh, what would it be? And I always want to also disclose how important it is for all of us to constantly learn. For me, my most important lesson learned was process to me used to be a a dirty word. It was something I associated with bureaucracy, slow moving. How do you do innovation? And fortunately, I got people around me who educated me on that from the engineering side, but also from the manufacturing supply chain side that I learned to do the balance of innovation. Let's go make it happen. Let's have that sense of urgency. But if you have process with replicatable playbooks, it allows you to move with even faster speed. And I wish I'd gotten that perhaps 10 years earlier in my career. Uh, and it's something I would share with all the, the listeners. I encourage you to think about that in a creative way. What would be your message? Yeah, you know, I um, maybe I have uh, two things, John. I would say, first, feedback is a gift. It is a true gift. Uh, now, you know, people say that all the time, but I, I actually feel like, um, if you really internalize that, um, you can become a much better leader and a much better person because, you know, that that is um, internalizing when somebody is telling you that, uh, you know, they're experiencing uh, things a certain way. Um, you know, the first inclination is to say, no, 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 no. That's not that 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 that's not actually what happened. But actually, you have to rec recognize all feedback is a gift and you will learn from it. And then as a leader the ability to really give feedback in a straightforward manner is also you know truly what will make your team better so that's um that's one thing that i think is um is truly there and then you know for leaders i think um you know communication you know john i i would say that um if i think i've evolved in any way over the last 10 years probably the the highest evolution of my personality has been around communication i would say that i was a complete introvert um, with the thought process of, do I really need to say that? People actually know that um, to the idea that, you know what? Um, there are a lot of stakeholders in everything that you do, whether it's your teams, um, your uh, your customers, your shareholders, um, you know, the, um, you know, the leaders that um, your peers, um, communication is so, so important and um, getting that um, as a high priority and not as an afterthought, I think um, will help all of us become, uh, you know, better, better leaders and also, um, you know, contribute um, quite a bit more. I couldn't agree with your points more. Lisa, first, I want to thank you for the friendship. Secondly, as always in our exchanges, I learn more than I give. And 
I want to thank you for that. I want to encourage our, our listeners to really take some of these lessons, not just to heart, but say, how do you apply them and how do you have the courage to change and be transparent in your views? This is the first Chambers Talks for 2023. I want to thank you for being our first guest, Lisa. Uh, I want to thank you for your leadership. You're making a difference in the industry. And I want to encourage listeners, watch this CEO. She's going to change an industry. I really believe in you, Lisa, and thank you. Thank you so much, John. It was great to be here with you. It was a pleasure as always. Mm-hmm.